Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. everybody and welcome once again to the show powered by the great crew at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. This week we're joined by an AFL Premiership player, a dual Coleman medalist and a triple All-Australian. Josh Kennedy became the all-time leading goal kicker of the West Coast Eagles in a 293 game career that started in small town WA, had a high profile trade from Carlton and ended with his wildest dreams having come true out west. And the former spearhead is now putting his time and energy into helping youth in regional areas achieve their goals. Josh Kennedy, welcome and thanks a lot for your time. G'day, how are you? Where do we find you? Where's life taking you after that last game back in round 21, 2022? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm living back up in Geraldton, so I, I grew up in Northampton, which is about 50 k's north of, uh, of Geraldton and spent most of uh, my life up here and, and all my schoolings. Uh, my wife uh, is from here as well, so all her family's here, so yeah, we, um, we've um we ummed and over the last probably five back and it's kind of shifted and uh, changed a lot, but then I think towards, yeah, probably the Mid, mid-year when I knew uh, I was finishing and coming up to my last game and yeah, we made that call so we, we started looking around to, to try and find somewhere to live up here and um, yeah, we moved up in December last year. It's been good. It's been busy. It's just been different busy. I think um, as any player is, you're always worried about transitioning out of the game. Um, you're always trying to work on something. You know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was lucky enough to have a few opportunities in in, in starting three startups uh, which probably isn't ideal for anyone transitioning out. It'd probably be good to just do one thing but I've got three things that have uh, kind of been ticking me over the last year and a half and it's been really cool to be able to get back home uh, see my kids grow up you know closer to family and, and all my mates and my wife's mates are here so it's, it's been good to get back to the community so watching from afar geographically speaking but now as a person outside of the club does it hurt you to see where your old side is at right now it does uh, kind of been through everything in my career from winning wooden spoons to winning flags so it's been an extreme roller coaster for me and, and I, I totally understand uh, where the boys are at at the moment um, it is difficult to watch it was difficult to watch through my career when you're injured things aren't going well so but I've no doubt you know these times are kind of what make the good times special 2010 we we finished last and uh that next year uh we came out and we made a prelim against Geelong so we're pretty young then you get those start getting those wins on the board it starts building that belief and um you never know where it can take you so the injury list has just been unbelievable Josh with what they've had to put up with and obviously you know at the waffle it's been a level uh it's been an issue at that level as well such is injury crisis I'm assuming the phone rang recently and the question was asked. <laughs> I was actually on radio with Goss and said, oh, would, would you ever take a call from Simo if you needed you? And in my head, I was thinking, oh, AFL said, yep, look, die straight. You needed and you called me to come back in, you know, and it was like at that last point, there's no other country football, there's no other amateur players that can play. <laughs> um, I said, yeah, and I'm talking die straight. And then somehow it kind of switched to the waffle and then I had a call from Rob Wiley who was, um, you know, reading an article that obviously someone had printed and asking me you know what's the what's the chances and i've pretty much said delete my number rob don't ever call me again so <laughs> well if hang on if will schofield can get through sorry will if you're listening uh you can get through mate <laughs> he couldn't walk for two, yeah. two you know, nearly a week after that. i think he played the week after as well so no it was good for Scho to put his hand up I, he's obviously doing it for a bit um bit of media coverage as well i reckon so he um but it was good to see him take a mark kick a goal because he's um he uh, didn't get too many goals over his career he's always down back 
I want to ask you about Northampton, your hometown. It's amazing how many players have come from there because you are on a promise to Big H, aren't you, Harry Taylor, to have a kick there. Is that actually happening? I'll definitely play a game with Harry this year. And, um, yeah, it's, it's essentially this week we've uh, – Northampton's had four injuries and one guy might be up for suspension. So I did get a text from the coach saying any chance. <laughs> but um, – but, <laughs> Jeez, you're in uh, demand. I've been training, did a bit of pre-season and just coming up having a kick. And it's so much better than trying to run 5K or just do straight line running. But I pull up that sore. I can't walk. Uh, I'm moping around the next morning and my wife's going what are you doing like this is where you finish because you're too sore all the time you're always grumpy so yeah and i'd had two three weeks off training and then i come back and i'm like oh i'm feeling all right here. i might go for a kick and then you know you just get carried away and i can't walk in so i'm quite enjoying watching the boys it's been great to be able to get back to a country footy and, and sit in the stands and have a beer and, and, and watch them go at it but yeah look i'll try and look to play yeah at least probably one game with harry this year i want to talk to you after the uh, in the next segment about growing up in northampton but what it's a town of what do you reckon Josh, less than a thousand people. So there's you, there's Harry Taylor, there's Paddy Cripps, I think Paul Hazelby, Daniel Chick. Who else? Tark and Lockyer, maybe. I think Bryn Tickle, who's playing at the moment, hails from Northampton. We were lucky enough, the town put statues up of us. So uh, there's nine statues. So, you know, wow. um, Patrick Cripps, Jamie Cripps, Liam Anthony, who played over 50 games for North, Harry, myself, uh, Tark and Lockyer, Andrew Lockyer, uh, Chicky, and who else am I forgetting? There's one more. Did, I, did you mention Hayes? Is Hazelby Paul Hazelby? Oh, from... and Paul. Oh, Paul, yeah. Paul, hate that, that I've forgot him and um, <laughs> he did that on purpose uh, but yeah and then Hayes obviously so yeah we, we were very lucky and, and, and it's very uh, very grateful that uh, the community came together and put these statues up and within the presentation I think within the space of around oh, I'm going to say at least quarter six months yeah Bryn Tickle gets uh, mid-season drafted to um, to Port Adelaide then you look at uh, Julia Tickle who got drafted to Port Adelaide yeah. with his team I'm still not sure on the criteria I don't know whether Hayes has come up with it's got to be over 50 games or what but those two are looking like that um, they'll get a statue, which makes it 11. There's not enough space in front of the top pub um, to put them, so I don't know where they're going to go, but uh, we'll keep growing it. It's been great. He's an amazing alumni for such a small place. It's incredible. This is going to be hard for you to answer because I know you're a humble guy, but Trevor Nisbet once described you as the, the quintessential Aussie, if you like. So the football spoken loudly for a long period of time, but who's Josh Kennedy the person? He's a difficult one for you to answer. Look, I'm just a, I'm a country, kid, a country kid just been trying to have a crack my whole career, so it's um, I've been lucky enough to have great support around me. You know, started with Northampton, all sports in all country towns, you know, bringing towns together and, you know, whether it's basketball, cricket, netball, footy, uh, I obviously went through the football path and the camaraderie and the support that you have from everyone in the town, you know, I've been quite lucky to have that through my, uh, I suppose, early stages and helped me get to, get me to where I am. And also at AFL level, you know, um, being at Carlton, being able to experience a, uh, an amazing football club that's got so much history and being able to play in Melbourne was, was fantastic. And then getting the opportunity to come back to West Coast, who have been so successful over the course of you know the time they've been in the AFL you know nearly 36 37 years seven grand finals four flags really sound club and and have always had that expectation of success and the resources that were around for me growing up coming through my career mm. um you know I wouldn't have been able to get to where I am today and, and I'm so so lucky um, that I've had that support around me so just away from the game at the moment which is where I'm headed I mean I know you've been involved over time as an ambassador for the multiple sclerosis society WA I learned a bit this week about the JK foundation which is now a fully registered uh, charitable organisation, of course. Can you let listeners in a bit on what the JK Foundation's all about and why that's an issue that's close to your heart? As a foundation, we look to kind of provide, you know, connections, education to youth, regional youth who are looking to pursue their goals. We try to create an environment that for them to be able to achieve their goals doesn't have the restrictions of, you know, financial stress, uh, health, education, and, and and also the location. You know, being regional, obviously, you miss out on a fair few resources. So being able to kind of bridge that close gap uh, is something that, that 
that my foundation's um, looking to do and phase one for us, obviously with funding and being lucky enough to be able to get it off the ground and we're a fully registered charity and foundation now, we've been able to, able to support um, with sporting scholarships to help assist in kids who have made state selection, national uh, selection on competitions, events, been have, have to go to Perth and to go to, um, you know, interstate for whatever training programs that their sport kind of needs them. We've, we've actually got an international uh, Taekwondo kid that's from the Midwest region who's going to Kazakhstan. So being able to try and find flights to Kazakhstan has been quite interesting. It's been a learning curve, but uh, <laughs> there is there is flights going there. So it's been really rewarding and it's a bit of a passion project for me that I've yeah. kind of um, been working on for the last few years. To be honest, it all stemmed from I was 16. I was lucky enough to, to make the state 16 squad and my, we lived in Northampton. Mum uh, used to drive me down Tuesday, Thursdays for training in Perth. You know, obviously oh. come back, obviously trying to deal with school and then we play on the weekend. Back then, you know, you don't train, you don't, you don't get a chance to play and uh, for a lot of regional kids it's quite tough but my mum made that commitment you know we never had any money uh, but she still did it I don't know how she did it but uh, she did and that gave me a chance and I was very lucky to have that opportunity but um, I know a lot of friends and I know a lot of a lot of people in regional areas who they just aren't um, able to access that opportunity um, and support around them so I started a scholarship uh, this is back nearly 10 20 years ago where I'll pick a 16 year old kid and this was purely just footy we give them five grand who, who kind of made um, that state uh, squad selection and had to travel so we use that five grand to, to one uh, more travel costs mm. um, make sure they got the right boots and be able to get down to what they need to do and, and so flights fuel help the family out a fair bit would, otherwise you know obviously the family would struggle to be able to get down consistently and, and give them an opportunity and I probably got into my seventh year of it I had one kid uh, that I'd picked and he was carpooling in a car with two other kids that had been picked and, and one was getting five grand and the other two were getting nothing so it kind of made me had to sit down and have a think about it how can I grow it how can we you know because there is a lot of talent in all sports um, mm. especially footy from from up here in the Midwest region and how do I support it and I suppose going to to help with funding you know a lot of a lot of businesses and a lot of corporate and a lot of people were just like well you're not a charity it's pretty hard just give money and not get it you know there's a tax deduction thing which everyone kind of wants so that kind of stemmed the idea COVID hit and then um, yeah we kind of built it from the back end of the last couple of years and not just footy um, and it's kind of opened my eye opened my eyes to how much talent there is and how many different sports are played up in regional areas. I've got a, an acrobat, um, a circus performer, who um, Lucia Richardson, who's yeah, unbelievable in her skill. She got asked to go to the Flying Fruit um, uh, Flyers Circus, which is a training program, which is pretty much you go through that program and then it's Circus Delay. I've got a table tennis player, um, young David, who's 15. He's number one in the state and obviously needs to go over uh, to uh, New South Wales well to play in the national table tennis championship. A few sports that you can see down the line could end up in the Olympics and yeah I'll be I'll be quite wrapped it'll be an amazing feeling seeing a lot of these kids where they've started from and to see them in the Olympics over the next four to you know eight years um, if they do get there it'll be quite, quite cool good on you that is awesome what you're doing now I'm, a, I'm a, on another front I'm a, I'm a gin fan I'm yet to try the X17 botanic gin uh, your number uh, of course and a nod to that in your playing days which is I think maybe the first product as well out of the Beyond Distilling which yep. you started with your old teammate Chris Maston as well I wanted to make a beer from your cousin's farm the grain off and, and ferment that and, and and make a beer out of it and I had some good friends who were um, involved in distilleries and um, who, were, who are distillers and kind of floated the idea of making a gin I didn't really like gin my wife drank it uh, and I was kind of on that concept I wanted to 
grab something from friends and family's farm and be able to produce something. And yeah, uh, Greg out of Stiller was, was like, well, we can still buy Midwest grain. We can get it from your family and friends in that area. We'll ferment our own alcohol and, and make our base alcohol from that. And that will, can be the underlying of all our products. The first product was, was obviously from this Midwest region. We've got 17 botanicals, which is a lot for a gin, but they're all locally um, uh, sourced from, from, from this area. And out of Stiller has been amazing. Um, and, and Masto is obviously involved who um, works in a distributing company. So Mm. he's the he's the salesman getting out there and um you know he's been fantastic and um he really was you know he, he come in and probably the best thing is the tasting so he was able to run through and, and come up with an amazing product where we we hit the saltiness from the ocean but we want to bring it back to the earth and have that landscape which the midwest has got fantastic landscape region and um he's been able to hit those flavors and we've got another two products so we've got our, our super tuscan um which is imported tuscany uh, juniper berries um we loaded up with that and that's kind of our dry gin and, and we've got a citrus one as well which is um which has been great but they're all underlying from our midwest grain um, that we get up here well we're off and running on this is your journey thanks to tobin brothers a family-owned business since 1934 and josh kennedy is going to take us back to the beginning you're listening to this is your journey with sam edmund for tobin brothers funerals visit tobinbrothers.com.au tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And today's guest is two-time Coleman medalist and West Coast Premiership forward Josh Kennedy. So, Josh, you're born in Melbourne, August 25, 1987, to professional basketball couple, Jenny uh, Patterson, Jamie Kennedy. But you grow up, of course, in Northampton. For those who don't know where it is, 470 clicks north of Perth. What are, what are your enduring memories of childhood or being raised in that part of the world? I've been born in Victoria. Not many people do know that. I lived there for about three months. My old man, uh, obviously, Canberra Cannons. And he had a year where he went back to St Kilda, who had a team at the time. So And he obviously pregnant with mum and, and kind of wanted me to be born in Victoria, I'm pretty sure, because he's Victorians. So mum came back. I was born in Victoria. We were there for about three, four months with grandma uh, living there and then dad got traded back to the Canberra Cannons and went back and finished off his career there so lived in Canberra for five years dad finished we moved to moved to Townsville and then ended up back in Perth which is where my mum's from she'd always gone for holidays at Horrocks Beach Uh, my pop had had built a house up there which is another 70 k's from Geraldton Um, but it was a holiday spot for them that she'd always grown up and mum and dad split up when I was about seven or eight mum thought let's just get up there and, and get up to where she loved being so she had a few sisters up here as well we moved to Horrocks Beach started going to school there I was obviously basketball as a kid coming through we didn't really have Auskick back then um, actually my first kind of sporting career start was rugby I played rugby in Canberra as a little junior I don't remember too much of it but I don't think I was any good I was a bit of a sook back then so going through school my mate got me into football I, I was hesitant to play uh, played basketball obviously in, in, in the summer and then winter time I just first years didn't didn't really play and then uh, we had a school carnival and my mate said you need to play so I can I can vividly remember being out the front of my mates my best mate's house they teach me how to handball and teach me how to kick we're doing little drills and then went and played this carnival and then that's where the kind of I suppose love for footy and, and and more just hanging with your mates and training and playing was the reason why I love football um it wasn't because I wanted to be an AFL player I just loved I suppose being around my mates and being able to have a kick and and that was kind of under 10s onwards and then yeah played all my juniors with Northampton 
So just on the family front, is it four younger sisters? Yeah, four sisters, yeah. Well, yeah four how, sisters. Was, how was that dynamic? Well, I've got two girls now, so it's made it a lot easier to do hair in the morning for school. I'm pretty good at plaits. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it was, we, we had a big household. Um, obviously, four sisters, and it was me, so five kids, my mum uh, and my stepdad, uh, who's got the same name as me, Josh. So yeah. um, living up in a small house in Northampton, yeah, it was it was quite hectic at stages. I sometimes don't know how mum did it. It was good. I had my sisters who used to want to play with me and I was I was pretty rough with them um, and you know so they've, they've grown up pretty tough and resilient but but yeah it yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing so these early footy days I think I read once that you, your favourite tip at least it was said that your favourite tip from a coach was stand tall don't be afraid of your height and always look at people while talking I like that last point I'm always forever saying that to my own yeah. kids but were you, were you always <laughs> tall or did that come later or tell us about the growth did jump up a fair bit I think um, around that 14 uh, 12 to 14 kind of age and yeah so I was always taller and um, yeah and I didn't like the height so I'd always hunch down and when people talk I'd always have my eyes down and so yeah Kim Barrett from Eastern Manor when I started making a few of the development squads and through that 16 kind of phase I don't know I don't know, I don't know why he said it to me one day and that was probably one thing that, that stuck with me and it doesn't have much to do about football it's just about life and I suppose that respect but yeah it always stuck with me so I've still got my shoulders they're still a bit hunched and I still bend over because I've always not been ashamed of my height but I've always just yeah Conscious. The stuttering, tippy-toed approach to your set shots. It would obviously later, much later, become the stuff of legend. I think even immortalised in a TV commercial along the way. Was <laughs> was that a natural habit of yours even in these early days or did that come later? started kicking. We'd have competitions with Mark Lacroix as we got older and I'd always had this skip and everything, but I never really had, had a routine, so to speak. And you, you try counting your steps and distance and everything like that. And was kicking balls in a bin with a competition with Mark and never get it in all the time, but you pretty much in that area and space of a goal so I was like well you're actually pretty close every time so then I started to map out what I was doing in those competitions you know from 20 metres out to 50 metres and it was all this little skip and a stutter and then that set me for my last three steps which I was very balanced in and I kind of realised well let's take this into a routine and uh, what I found over the course of my career you know it wasn't about the stutter it was about the last three steps and feeling comfortable in that so whether it was two stutters or whether it was 20 it didn't really matter sometimes you get caught up in the hype of it and you know I'd be going for ages you know which was <laughs> which is probably what got to the I suppose the end of it the habit that had been created with it you know I never worried about it but then I started to feel a little bit off balance towards the back end of uh, when I I used to do it and Justin Lomio who's a great mentor of mine a great mate of mine um, you know coming into a pre-season kind of said look you're not feeling balanced that's the, that's the worst thing it doesn't matter how many stutters you have or what you look like you know you're feeling off balance it's pretty hard to kick a goal so you either get it back to where it is or you, you change it and you try and wipe it you need that balance back in your last three steps and so that's what we worked on and I did realise as it is it becomes a habit it's something that I was very comfortable with and when you're in a um, pressure situation human uh, beings always revert back to something that's comfortable and what makes them feel good so and that was it so it was a really hard kind of cycle to break but eventually it kind of it twisted its way around and it got back to just feeling really relaxed with my last three steps it depends how your body's feeling it would depend how my routine was and everything the wind and I used to adjust so much and that's one thing I think the number one rule in, in goal kicking is you never adjust this is your routine but I always used to adjust and uh, for somehow it, it kind of worked for me your mum once said that you walked on your toes until you're around seven years of 
age. And that I don't know if she was uh, mucking around, but she said she thought you were always destined for a career in ballet or dancing. Probably the reason for my Achilles and calf issues that I've had over my whole life. So, but um, but no, I did. I walked on my toes. I'm going to say, mum be able to correct me here, but till around seven, mum actually had shoes made up with weights in the back. She was really worried about it because I just would. I was always on my toes. I'd always walk. She'd always be pushing me down. Get on your flat feet, you know, from doctors and podiatrists. I was like, he needs to walk on flat foot, otherwise he's going to have heap of issues. And mum right. obviously, you know, used to joke around with being a ballet kind of dancer, but I, I did. And she actually had shoes made up with weights in the back of the heel to drop me but all it did was i just got stronger so it's just like doing a weight session i was just on my toes with those weights and i think my calves got really strong but um but yeah i did have a lot of issues with my arches uh with my achilles and i'll plant a fascia um which is i snapped both of them over my career so and so as you progress you played i think state basketball under 16 didn't you and then footy wins out so northampton rams you play through the grades you play football for the state under 16s and obviously 18s putting you right on the afl recruiting radar you attend the afl AOS Academy, like your parents, so you two at Ireland, you played Waffle at 17, so you were you were front and centre. Did all the clubs speak to you just about in your draft year, Josh? Do you remember the process? I reckon I didn't really have all of them, but I had, yeah, majority of them, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty nervous time sitting down yeah. uh, in front of a head coach that you you look up and you see him on TV, and, and they're asking you questions about your life and your footy, and yeah, it is quite daunting. I would love to have them all filmed and see how you know you did handle that interview compared to what you, you know now. Do you remember getting any curly one? Port Adelaide, um, Choco Williams. Most people would talk about your football and everything and mm. you go, oh, you're from the country. And you'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, so you don't mind a beer? And I'm like, I'm 17 here. What do I say? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, but, you know, footy's number one focus. He goes, oh, so if you're, you know, at a pub, um, you got a few beers, you know, would you drive? You know, people from the country, you know, people drive. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And he goes, oh, if you had a mate in the car, would you tell him not to drive? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd tell him not to drive. He goes, oh, what was if you're driving? And then he got put over the cops. Would you both run or would you stay? And I was like, oh, <laughs> My head was spinning. I was like, I'm getting interviewed about being living in the bush and and, and drinking and and being at a pub. I'm like, so I assume that he kind of did it with just the idea to just to see how you get when you're a little bit uncomfortable and in those situations. And love it. Um, obviously didn't get drafted to Port Adelaide, so I didn't, didn't pass the didn't pass the test. So I'm sure the question you would have got over and over again was, are you happy to leave your home state? Now Fremantle had picked ten. I think West Coast didn't have a pick until thirteen. So were they always off your radar? I mean, did you always think you were going to go? earlier than that and you'd given up hope if you haven't even had a hope of staying in WA was it something you were wedded um, to? For me and I don't know whether it's because I moved around a bit as a kid and you know I, I didn't grow up really like I was a Collingwood supporter so um, I, I went for Collingwood my grandma's Collingwood my dad's Collingwood all the Kennedy side are all Collingwood being from Victoria so I wasn't West Coast or Frio for me the opportunity to be able to play AFL was a dream and, and it didn't really matter where I went. So Carlton ended up taking Mark Murphy at one of course and you at, at pick four did you settle quickly enough in Melbourne and who were you closest to in those early days over here? Obviously, got the uh, got the call from um, Dennis Pagan saying, "Congratulations, being drafted!" And yeah, you're on a flight two o'clock the next day, so it was pretty much you know Saturday draft, Sunday I'm out um, over in Victoria. I was lucky enough had grandma there, so me and Paul Bauer, uh, who got drafted there as well, he um he was from obviously Peel um in the Waffle, and uh, we lived with grandma for the first three months. I moved in with Luke Livingston, um who was a player at this time, and yep. he was now one of my best mates, um and also um, involved with one of the business is that um, his labour hire business, OCC Labour Services. So it's been an amazing journey since the start of moving in with him and uh, his partner at the time, who's now his wife. And, you know, they got three beautiful kids. So it was a great bunch of blokes. And, you know, for me coming in over two years and it, it 
performance-wise, I wasn't really, you know, playing that well. The team wasn't, you know, we won a wooden spoon. That was my first wooden spoon. I think I played over two years, two, 22 games and won three. So I didn't really know what winning was about. But the group and the guys and the support of them, you know, they're amazing. Lucky enough to be able to play with Brendan Favola, Lance Whitnell, Anthony Kudafides, you know, Matthew Lappin, who were all at this this top end of you know the AFL chain watching as a kid on TV and, and walking into Princess Park and and you know being down the locker from those guys was was truly an amazing experience and the history that Carlton had. I was I was very fortunate and very lucky to have the opportunity to play at a, a great club like that. Yeah. So I was keen just before we break on your mindset at this point because as you suggest clearly these are really hard times for the club. I think Dennis Pagan was sacked after your first year for Brett Ratton but but you're saying your uh, your mindset at this point, you were happy to develop and stay patient and build those connections with the playing group. I suppose in those early couple of years, you're just in your own little bubble to a degree. Were you relatively happy there? It's, it's funny you, you say that, like um, talking about development or, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking to stay here to, um, you know, be patient with the club and everything like that. It was never, it was never part of my frame mind on, yeah. on, on where the club were at. It was more about just the opportunity they gave me and being able to play for a football club player AFL and I was lucky enough in Northampton and support and everything you have around as a community you want to be loyal and you want to be a one club player that was my only thought in my head was they gave me the opportunity I want to I want to be a one club player we are with West Coast goal kicking legend Josh Kennedy on this is your journey thanks to Tobin Brothers funerals celebrating lives well JK's life is about to be turned upside down and one of modern footy's biggest trades is after this you're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. West Coast legend, the club's greatest ever goal kicker, Josh Kennedy, is with us. So, Josh, the 2007 season, your second at Carlton. I think you actually, some stage in that year, and you might be able to tell us when exactly, you signed a new contract at the Blues. During that season, though, a guy by the name of Chris Judd, the best player in the competition, announces that he wants to return to Melbourne at the age of 23. So take us through it. It's something you wouldn't have been asked many times before, but uh, did you think at that early stage it could be something you'd like to explore or given you'd re-signed, it was never something you contemplated at all, even when Chris had put his hand up to say he wanted to come back to Melbourne? Yeah, no, never something I contemplated. I a two-year contract, um, which was great. So I extended my time at Carlton. I was lucky enough to get the, the two years. Obviously came into the trade period and, and Juddy chosen Carlton. A lot of names getting thrown up. You know, Fev, Lance Whitnell, my name just being from WA and uh, over the course of trade week back then it was Monday to Friday so it was just a week conversations I think for me early you know especially with Carlton um, were you know pretty positive it was you know this, don't worry you're not gonna we're not gonna get this deal done with you you're gonna be a big part of the club we're gonna get Juddy over and and everything and towards I suppose the midsection of the week I think West Coast obviously we're set on you know you can have Juddy but we want Josh and we want these picks and obviously me being contracted it was oh, I had to make that decision so it was either yes or no for me because I was contracted so mm. Big thing for me, and I look back now, I've probably got really overwhelmed with it because you know, from from my side, I was I was a 19 year old, 20 year old, and I haven't really done much in my career, and I was about to um, stop the best player in the competition going from where he wants to go. Yeah, towards the back end of the week, did the pros and cons, and and having family over in the west, you know, being close to my mum, being close to my 
uh, sister's seen them grow up. My mates had moved down to Perth and were in, in Perth either working or, or studying. West Coast had, you know, been winning, you know, obviously coming off the back of 05, 106. You go back on that, I suppose, development phase, you know, Woosh was really instrumental in, in you know, providing or letting me know that we have the resources here. Uh, went through the facility, it was a whole lot different to Princess Park and especially with Carlton where they're at at the time with no money and Dickie Pratt was coming in to do that redevelopment but but yeah while we were there it was it was it was pretty rough um compared to what west coast had and he said look i don't know whether you're going to be a good player or not but what we'll do is we'll build that environment around you with all we do with all our players and give you the best opportunity you're the one who's got to have a crack and do it by the end of the week we um we we, we made the decision and yeah i was to come back and and play for west coast it was pretty cool and, and i don't look back and regret any decision i ever made yeah and we can talk about it now knowing that you've got no regrets and and you, it all worked out happily ever after for you and you achieved everything and the, and the cup's very much completely and utterly full but it's a lot to absorb at 19 years of age I imagine it was a really difficult time for you did Carlton I know it's your decision but did Carlton seek to twist your arm or was it totally left to you in terms of what you wanted to do all footy clubs are business you mm-hmm. know and, and we are the cattle in the market and you want your you, you want your good bulls and um, the ones that aren't too good well you kind of just you, you let them go so yep. I did get that sense during the, the trade week on, on how everything operates and quickly kind of realised that um, for me it was about being a one club player and the loyalty and 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 that is that is there in a lot of footy clubs but you look at the situation and you've got the number one player in the competition Juddy is an unbelievable player he's 23 you know so much more to give to AFL and he's already done so much of course you want to be flicking guys out and making sure you get that deal done because mm. I think at the time as well if I said no Jody would have to nominate in the pre-season draft and Richmond had picked one so there was a possibility that Richmond could actually take him yeah I suppose for a 19 year old and, and realizing that and yeah Carlton maybe stressing a little bit towards the back end of that week yeah I did feel like I didn't want to be that 19 year old kid that's yeah. not the best player in the competition to go but Jody did give me that opportunity to go home and yeah I can't thank him enough now West Coast are winning as you say but they were coming off a really controversial controversial period where they were being accused of having a drug culture and the like. And I remember your grandma, Kathleen, she was unhappy. She she ended her Blues membership back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't have, I don't think she had a Blues membership. Ah, I think she got given one. She's right. a Collingwood supporter. She's a Collingwood supporter. She's always been a member of, of the Collingwood Football Club. She's loved Collingwood and uh, been a passionate supporter over many years. So I think her rocking up for my first day at training, they gave her a membership and I think they might have given her something else of Carlton, but she had a Collingwood scarf sitting under her jacket. So she was... Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty stolen on that. But no, she did end up ringing. She got a bit worked up. I think she rang the radio stations, rang SEN, and yeah, she had a bit of a say about, <clears throat> I suppose, a, a young kid not um, getting the choice of where he played at and, you know, obviously the drama that was going on at West Coast at the time. But coming into, I suppose, that culture change with, you know, Woosh as uh, the coach and, and Glassy taking over as captain and kind of whatever had happened before, I'm so grateful to be actually go through that, that situation because that made a lot of us younger guys the players who we are today, the resilience that kind of got built and, and, and the leadership skills that we were able to develop in, in those tough times. So your debut at uh, West was, your debut year at West was pretty quiet. In fact, you made to earn your spot. There's a knee injury. In 2009, you really get going. So 31 goals from 16 games. There was a couple of games of four. Was that when you really finally started to feel like you belonged, Josh? Did you feel that anyway and just knew you had to bide your time? I just wonder how big a validation the back end of 2009 was in particular. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you 
role into 2008. There was a few injuries. 2009, I finished with a few injuries as well. Peter Silmich was my coach at the time. He, he sat me down before that pre-season um, in 2010. And, you know, you're always, I suppose, as a coach, battling one with the skill of the player you've got, but then also the mental capacity of, you know, understanding the game and pushing through and kind of looking at a bigger picture sense and not just getting so narrow focused. And his biggest issue with me is that I haven't played a full year yet and you need to get your body right. You know, you've got issues. You need to start accommodating, understanding your body. You can't do everything. You can do everything. You need to work that out. In 2010, kind of had a good pre-season and rolled in. Now, we didn't have a good year. Through that period, learned a fair bit. And it was probably midway through 2010. And I'm used to, you know, over the last kind of four years, you know, playing, getting injured, getting dropped, going back in and out of the side. Um, and that's obviously always the worry as, as a young player coming through. And Sumo, yeah, obviously sensed that. And he just goes, look, you're not getting dropped. You've got more leeway now. You've probably got a few more games rather than just getting dropped straight away. So pull your head in and you need to be the forward of, the, you know, the main man in this forward line. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to move forward. And for there, just helping me, push me through and guide me through. 2010, we finished last, uh, one a wooden spoon, but then rolling into 2011, I think for me was a massive focus on my body, understanding it, and then rolling into um, a good pre-season. Yeah, really kind of set me up and pushed me forward into realising I, I probably had that belief. Finally, finals for you in 2011, been a bit of a wait. In 2015, the run to the big one, the grand final, you kick 80 for the year, which is a, which is a big haul. Geez, you went large a few times though. So 10 in round nine, 2011 v the dogs, 11 straight in round eight v GWS, 10 in round two, 2015 again. Carlton, there were eights and there were sevens along the way. So when you got on a roll, you were pretty keen to roll on with it. You don't see bags of 11 too often anymore. For me, when you hit that that seven mark, that's when a lot of the guys then start to switch in and there's enough time in the game. And, you know, Marnacra was, you know, a big one of it. I think every time I kick 10, 11 and 10, I reckon he kicked me the last two of, <laughs> of all those shots. So, yeah. you know, he was obviously working hard to get the ball in his hand, but then there was no one else getting it, which, you know, that feeling you talk about, you know, whatever you do or wherever you are, you just got to get that split, and if you can put the ball right, you're going to be out of market. Just before we break, some goals are bigger than others. I mean, do you have a memory of the big ones that stand out? I'm going to put you on the spot here. There's one that West Coast fans often think back on, I reckon, and it's 2015. It's against North Melbourne. It's a prelim, and your side are raging favourites, but pretty jittery early. And I think North are up 22 to four. You kick four behinds as a side up until you know early in the second quarter. Kennedy's in good position here, coming across. Oh, big collision! Look at the courage of Kennedy. He's going to play on Josh Kennedy. Mate wastes no time, runs to 45. Is this the West Coast first? Josh Kennedy, the Golden Medal winner, kicks the Eagles first. It took a quarter and six minutes. And I'd love to say that um, it was on purpose and I had full confidence and it was just about getting the team up and about. But to be honest, I ran back with the flight, uh, took that mark, hit the deck. I saw Thompson sitting on the ground. I went to get up to have a set shot and I got up and I just started running. And then so in my head, I'm going, what are you doing? Why are you running? And, you know, I could see him getting up. I knew there was players around. And in my head, I was freaking out. I was like, what have you done? And then obviously it kicked it and it went through and then that changes a whole, whole fair bit with the game and obviously my headspace. But um, I wish I could say I had full confidence in what I was doing, but I was um, I was actually shit myself. <laughs> You're listening to This Is Your Journey. <laughs> Thanks to Dunn Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. Hey, at least he's honest. We're going to go uh, right back. We're going to come back with Josh Kennedy after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating life. It's lives. been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And our guest today has been former West Coast goal machine, Josh Kennedy. So, JK, the art of goal kicking, we were speaking about it earlier, but it's always a topic of debate as various players have their struggles. And we're seeing Harry Mackay on the news a bit at the moment. Now, you were always accurate. So, 82-37 in 2016, is unbelievable. 69-39, 60-23, 41 they consistently stacked up. We were talking about the stutter before, but if someone asks you what is the key to good goal-kicking accuracy consistently, what's your first response? You see a lot of players that you know have a certain style of kicking up the field or just around off the mark, and then when they come to a goal-kicking routine, they, they, they change it because of you know what's in place. You need to be running straight, you need these steps and everything like that. And I've never been a believer of that. I, I feel like everyone's made different in their bodies from you know the way your hip swings to the strength you've got to um, the rotation of your back to your arms to you know everything like that so you've got to work in what feels comfortable because you need to feel comfortable you need to feel balanced and that's probably the biggest thing and and whatever it looks like or feels like is the biggest thing like I said with adjustment there'll be some days where my hip is is very sore or, or I've just done my shoulder and I have to tape it so all of a sudden you don't have much reach with that swing and then you know you're trying to do normal it, it's going to push the ball inside of your foot so kicking the ball in the bin is has been my biggest thing or standing on the wing Go and kick to someone and just keep kicking to them and what feels comfortable and whatever that is, bring it in. Doesn't matter if you're on an angle, doesn't matter if it's this. If you get that consistently right and feel good with it, then and it's straight in the kick, you know, can't be obviously wobbly and everything, then um then I feel like, you know, you, you should be taking that in. Were you always satisfied you were able to spend the time to practice? I mean, because in your career, the sports science sort of influence would have grown. Were you always satisfied you had the time and the ability to spend the time on it? Uh, yes and no. There's times where you wanted to do more, but you, you obviously couldn't. But, you know, you, there was always the argument you had. For me, doing field kicking drills, I wasn't really ever in that position. So being able to tailor, you know, the position that you're in a lot and, you know, coming out of those drills to be able to then do 10, 20 set shots or snaps, you mm. know, that's was was very lucky with our fitness staff to be able to accommodate um, that, that side of things. Players have onus on their game and, and the positions they're in to be able to, one, go, look, I'm not going to join in this drill because I need to do this. So two grand finals, two very different grand finals. 2015, you touched on. The, the side's belted by Hawthorne, personally held goalless. 2018, just before we get into it, how did you go? What was your mindset like going into 2018 after the disappointment personally and collectively of a few years yeah. earlier? Yeah, it was daunting. You know, 15 was, you know, very disappointing individually for myself, coming off a, a gold medal, being, I suppose, being able to kick so many goals and then um, Chip did an absolute number on me and me and Chip have had, you know, many, many battles over my the course of our career. He'd win some and I'd win some and the day he announced his retirement, uh, I sent him a text and because I've loved my battles with uh, with James over time, come off it, being able to shake each other's hand, which I love that about game. You go out there toe-to-toe and then you shake each other's the hand but congratulate him on his career and I said look many battles I've won some you won some but you know what you're always going to have that over me because you kept me goalless in the grand final you prick. <laughs> we learn a lot from 15 and moving into 18 you kind of thought oh, we'll be back there it's going to be easy 16 17 obviously some bad losses where expectation was we probably should have pushed through and finally get there in 18 very hard to not think about 15 you know um, the confidence you have as a player and a team rolling into a grand final and get spanked by Hawthorne you know Collingwood were in fine form and we did beat them in the first final 
Uh, we beat Hawthorne in that first final as well. So a lot of things we did change, I think, in with the week, not getting so caught up with it. You know, I think for a lot of us, we, we did play the game over in our head. We probably played it a lot before we even got out there. And um, a lot of us, when things were down, yeah, we were exhausted. And, um, and then also having different plan B, plan C on certain aspects of the game where we knew there was weaknesses in our game. If they were to exploit it, what can we do to help accommodate that? And we're able to kind of do that um, in that Collingwood game and came down to Dom Sheed towards the back end of that game, kicking that goal, which was which is amazing. And I suppose the difference in the two, obviously the ending was losing and winning, but looking at Hawthorne's side, end of three-quarter time, they knew they'd won. Their last quarter running around, you know, they're all laughing, they're slapping each other. And you could see that emotion coming out. For us in 18, you know, we didn't know we'd really had that game until that final siren. And the raw emotion that came out, you know, I, I kind of wonder, you know, which one you want? Do you want that one? Because it was such an exciting, stressful game. You know, do you want to be pumping a team and be running around going, how good is this? We won a grand final. Or do you want that raw emotion to come mm. out? I don't know, but uh, it was quite an amazing feeling when that final siren went. Concede the first five goals. It's one of the great grand finals and one of the great victories. They've got a brand new stadium, a big one, and they're going to put a big flag up there in a moment because the eagle has landed. They're the premiers in 2018. Be able to share it with not only 20 odd of my best teammates, uh, my best mates, but um, but Mark Lacroix in, in in particular, where he speared tackled me to the ground. We just sat down and hugging each other on the MCG. It's a moment I'll remember forever. I reckon it's pure exhilaration, isn't it? Now, by the way, just on your final game, and there are not many bow out like you do, mate. I've got to say, Adelaide round. 21, 2022, you kick eight, two, eight marks. Your mate's looking for you at every single opportunity. And it was the best goal kicking performance, I think, in seven years for you, right at the end. And you touched on before how Mark Lacroix often looked for you when perhaps he should. How many did you get that you probably thought you shouldn't have got? Uh, probably 10 opportunities. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. The, the game shifted started late. Had, we hadn't had the inside 50 straight away. And then I got a free kick, you know, and I kind of turned to my opponent, obviously, Butts, and, you know, he was shattered. And I was like, oh, I think that umpire just gave me that one. So I went back and I was able to kick it, went straight through. And I thought, oh, that's all right. And then I got the next one. Uh, then I kicked three in that back end of that first quarter. I I remember looking up at the screen, there was Marla Crow and Adam Selwood sitting there and they're both laughed. It kind of was that point I was like, yep, I'm on. The boys are looking for me here. And then the game just unfolded and I was very lucky in that sense to, I suppose, be on the end of a few. Kennedy for number eight! Oh, no way. An unbelievable final match for Josh Kennedy. He's kicked eight goals. But as much as it was a good game, uh, we didn't win. I did kick two points, and that was one of the biggest things over my career. I, I hated kicking points, and you'd always go out that week trying to understand why. I still feel like I should go down the park and have that set shot and have that snap just to kind of, yeah, settle myself and know that I can still play. Hey, Josh Kennedy, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. What a player you grew into in Perth. Work ethic, skill, determination, bravery. 723 goals, two Coleman's, three All-Australians, a premiership. So your place in the history of the West Coast Eagles is assured. But it would appear just as invaluable off the field as on, on that front. Awesome work to see what you're doing with the JK Foundation, all the other charity work that you've done over time. So congrats on everything you've done and really appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you. Cheers, mate. And thanks for listening. Also, you've been plugged into This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online. You can find them at tobinbrothers.com.au. And we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.